I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Amazing about it, I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Welcome to my nightmare. You like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? There are things that go bump in the night. Listen to them, children of the night. They're coming to get you, Barbara. What music they make! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. Rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Number one, you can never have sex. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. Red rum! Red rum! Number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. They're here. Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? Here's Johnny. I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Batu, Marada, Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I'll be right back. Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcastum. Welcome to an all-new weekly Nerd Alert. Uh, I'm your host with the most, and with the plan. Uh, and joining me, as always, my right hand, the uh, the rocket to my Groot, the, uh, I'm trying to think of an, uh, an analogy that fits today's topic. Uh, the Lorraine to my Ed, no, 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 the Ed to my Lorraine, uh, the man who keeps the nerd and taught nerdy to me, Commander Scott. Greetings. So not only I get this, we get the short joke because of the rocket thing. I see, so I'm short, and apparently I was almost Lorraine, so I'm an effeminate short raccoon. Yeah, sounds like way. you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. I was more thinking the scene in Guardians Two where Rocket and and Star Lord keep like fighting for control of the ship. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's where my mind was going with. It's not what. <laughs> <you know. laughs> Always a good one. 
Uh, although I have to say, when it comes to the whole rocket thing, one of my favorite scenes is in uh, uh, Infinity War when uh, when uh, Bucky picks him up uh-huh. and and spins. They both spin around, shooting in opposite directions. He uses him like he's just aiming rocket. <laughs> yep, I love that. Good stuff. So anyway, yeah, put the nerd and Todd nerd to us. Well, uh, I've been a little distracted this week, so I don't really have uh, any, any, I haven't gone down any rabbit holes here recently, but I did something good pop across my feed that I thought was really fun. I was saying, never mind. Okay. I'm sorry. What? Hit us up. I was going to softball one to you, but never mind. Ah, no. Uh, I mean, you can if you want to, but uh, something popped across my feed that I thought was really cool. Apparently, astronomers have discovered a planet orbiting a white dwarf star. Which is very, very interesting because usually once a star uh, exhausts all of its nuclear material and it reaches the end of its life cycle, which ours will do in uh, an estimated 10 billion years or some shit. Um, so we got time. Cool. We got some time. Uh, yeah, the, the, the star goes supernova before collapsing in on itself and burning off uh, all of its well, atmosphere, for lack of a better term, because I don't know what the actual term is right now. Uh, it's outer layer, uh, leaving just the core white dwarf before that eventually collapses uh, in on itself to become a neutron star and then a black hole. But um, you usually don't find planets orbiting those. And the reason being is because the supernova usually disintegrates any planets in the immediate area. So astronomers have discovered a, a planet orbiting a white dwarf star, and they don't know exactly why or how. Um, the planet seems to be larger than the dwarf that it's orbiting. They don't know where it came from, how it got there, uh, and it's uh, quite interesting. They're uh, looks like they're 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 conducting follow up observations with the Hubble. So, yeah. uh, white dwarf isn't that the. Uh... British uh, space station. Uh, Red Dwarf, sorry. Never mind. Uh, yeah, I had a joke. Yeah, I was going to go. Yeah, you're thinking Red Dwarf. So anyway, that's Well, my, there you go. My dose of nerdiness. You know, you never let me down, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. I try. I, I, I give it my all. And we appreciate that. Uh, this This episode is a special one. For a couple of reasons. First of all, if you can tell by the new extended intro, it's spooky season. Uh, and we're going to take advantage of that because it's my favorite month of the year. Uh, we're talking scary stuff all month long. Lots of scary movies we're talking about. Um, but we are also overdue for one of my favorite segments of the show. Not even segment, like subtopics of the show. Uh, State of the Franchise. Something we've been doing roughly once a month since we started back. Um so everything dovetailed beautifully into today's episode. Uh, so uh, everyone strap in, get ready for um, furniture to move on its own, uh, bells to mysteriously ring, uh, dolls to get moved, and to find out late in the third act that it's not really a ghost, it's a demon, because today we're talking about the Conjuring Universe and what we've gotten, what's coming, and what we want to see happen with the franchise. Uh, it's going to be a deep dive all into the Conjuring universe. Um, speaking of which, uh, I, I did this so you don't have to. Uh, yesterday, in about a 24-hour period, 
closer to 28. I watched <laughs> all seven Conjuring movies. Wow. Yeah, I didn't plan to do it that way. I was going to rewatch Conjuring and Conjuring 2 and then maybe a couple of the other ones that I hadn't seen in a while just to kind of jog my memory. And I started when I got home from work on Monday and all day yesterday I was off, uh, except for when my lightsaber showed up and I had to play with that for a minute. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I ended up and I watched him in a weird order too. Cause it was, I watched Conjuring and Conjuring 2, then I went back and watched Annabelle Creation uh and at the end of that they kind of tease or tie into the first annabelle which i hadn't seen in forever i was like i don't remember any of those references fuck i better watch annabelle again so i watched (laughs) annabelle i was like well i might as well finish it now and i I watched annabelle comes home uh and then i was like all right well uh, let's keep it going and i i I ended up watching all of them but in a weird order uh so i don't recommend either of those i do not recommend watching (laughs) all of them in 24 hours (laughs) i do not watching them in the weird ass order i did uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, well, yeah. So, uh, you know, you know this when it when it comes to this series. Uh, up until about three months ago, I didn't even know they were uh, a franchise. That's why I love you, Scott. I mean, I, I knew, of course, you know, that Conjuring and Conjuring Two were franchise. That's obvious. Um, and and I knew Annabelle and Annabelle Creation were the same thing, and I remember when the nun and what La Corona or whatever his name is uh, came out. But I never knew that, that is uh, the Curse of My Sharona, I believe. Ah, the Curse of My Sharona, yes. I, I but I never knew they were all connected. I didn't until like I said about three months ago, and then I guess I don't know one of the more recent movies that came out. Uh, Sometime, I don't know when, somebody posted, uh, came across my feed, one of those, uh, I'm sure you've seen them, it's the image of the 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 banners of all of them. Yeah, it's the, the one we put up on the Facebook uh, page for okay, this episode. Yeah. I, I haven't been on Facebook in like three days, so. Um, but that's okay, if you put it up uh, yesterday or today, uh, I won't see it until next week sometime. Um well, there you go. But because uh, my Facebook doesn't show me anything until like a week after. Uh, but um, yeah, so that popped up and said, you know, hey, blah, 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 you know, who, what's the best order to watch these? And I'm like, we need to watch these. And that's when I started, that's when I started looking and I realized, oh shit, they're, they're a shared universe. I, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, so I started watching them. Uh, and I, I watch them in release order because when it comes to things like this, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of watching things in re- release order the first time you ever. Yeah, and and that was going to be one of the things I bring up. We'll jump on it now because, um, again, oh. I watched them in a weird freaking order yesterday. But absolutely, if you haven't watched these movies yet, watch them in release order. There's plenty of sites that will tell you what to, you know, like chronological order chronological, like what yeah. to watch them in. Yeah. Uh, but even then, it, they don't quite sync up chronological because if you so like technically Annabelle Creation comes before Annabelle, but if yes. you watch Annabelle Creation, the last five minutes tie it back into Annabelle. So if you watch them in chronological order, Annabelle Creation is going to spoil part of Annabelle for you. Yeah, like, so they, they they don't quite sync up that way. Now, in order to watch it in true chronological order, you'd have to like you'd have to watch part of one stop go to the next part, you know, where it ties in, then go back. You'd have to jump around mid, not mid movie, but, you know, before yeah. you finish certain things, when you hit the tie-ins. Um, 
but watching them in release order, uh, I'm up to the nun, but I have not watched the nun yet. So, oh, yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't got there. So as far as I know, I've got the nun. Uh, Annabelle comes home. Annabelle comes home, and that's I don't know, and then the Curse of My Sharona, and that's it. Uh, well, collectively, um, these movies have grossed 1.9 billion with a B dollars on a cumulative budget, cumulative for seven movies, 139.5 million. Damn, I think they're successful. Yeah, uh, they really sort of followed the Bloomhouse model of um, keep them inexpensive, know your audience, turn them out about once a year. Because uh, that's about how they come out, and uh, and and you can't miss. Uh, horror is always a solid franchise for for making money. Keep your costs low, get a good hook. Um, and especially the, these movies have picked up steam because the for the most part, the quality of these movies is is pretty uh, pretty. Uh, I can't think of words now. Uh, the quality has been really consistent. There we go. Uh, across all these movies. And I'm not saying they're all fantastic, but that's what we're about to get into. So we'll take it back to the one that started it all. Our first topic is what we've gotten so far. So briefly, we're going to run through, because there's not a whole lot of them. Uh, You know, it's not like the MCU. Uh, We're going to run through what we've gotten so far. So we start back in 2013 with The Conjuring. The first one uh, that kicked this whole universe off. Scott, what are your thoughts on The Conjuring? So I like uh, I like the Conjuring. Uh, Me too. Moving on, they're they're probably my my favorite uh, movies in this series. Um, I I concur because so first and foremost, you know, you watch watch the Conjuring. It's a it's kind of a, a standard, you know, uh, haunted house movie, especially one made, you know, in the. Uh, um, uh, in the in the two thousands and the two thousand tens, because it, it you know it kind of follows a lot of the same feels and and stuff of things that had been preset before it. Uh, in fact, what I, I remember, I never actually watched it before when when they first came out because I was really disappointed with things like uh, oh par- paranormal investigation or something. What, what what's that? What is it? Paranormal activity. Yeah, paranormal activity. I did not like that movie at all. And so I, I thought this was going to be another movie like that. Um, and as far as the horror goes, uh, it, it's good. It's decent. Uh, it's got some some throwback feels to a lot of other stuff that I like. But what I what really cinches it for me are the lead actors uh, oh, yeah. portraying, portraying the Warrens. Um, uh, Patrick the, Wilson and Vera yeah. Farmiga. Thank you. Uh, Pat- Patrick Wilson, I love. I've seen him in a, a few different things, and everything I see him in, I love him. You're the man, uh, Ocean Master. Ocean Master? Yeah. He's, he's an Aquaman. He is? Yeah, he's Ocean Master. He's he's Aquaman's brother. Oh, that's right, he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got your back, Patrick Wilson. I know what's up. He's also yeah. in, did you get off on a whole little side tangent, he's also in another really good horror franchise, Insidious which is not connected to this at all. Uh, but if, if you enjoy these movies and are looking for something in the same vein, go check out Insidious, because uh, he's in that as well. Yeah. Uh, that one I've not seen. Uh, That's fair. That's list. fair. It's not part um, of the story we're talking yeah. about, it, but I just want to pitch it. But, yeah, no, um, 
yeah, the 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 Warrens they they have uh, they have great on screen chemistry. Uh, they're as characters, they're a great uh, anchor point for the stories for both you know one and two uh, and everything. So yeah, that's my 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 primary thoughts on the Conjuring. I uh, I love that it's it's even though it's made in the 2010s, it is very much an homage to 70s haunted house movies firmly set in the 70s i love there's a joke at one point i love uh and this might be the second movie but uh, i might miss be misremembering because again i watched i rewatched all of them in like a 24-hour period to kind of blur together there's a part in one of them where they're setting up all the cameras around the house and he's looking around like a first gen vhs camcorder yeah. uh and he's like it's so small and light as he picks this like suitcase size video camera up I had to pause because that one got me. I was laughing so hard. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's got a lot of great old school horror stuff. It's light on the gore. Um, there's actually zero body count. People die, but they're already dead before this story takes place. People get hurt, but no one actually dies in it. So it's yep. actually a fairly, uh, it has an R rating, and I'm not entirely sure why, because there's not a lot of gore. There's no nudity. The language isn't particularly, uh, I don't remember a lot of F-bombs or anything. Uh, it might just be for intense situations. Uh, yeah. But it's a really good, solid horror movie that relies more on tension and release than it does on gore or shock. And there's definitely jump scares. There's definitely jump scares. because A lot of jump scares, yeah. That, that's what you get from horror now, is, is jump scares. Uh, and when you watch all seven of them back to back to back to back, you start to learn the formula for their jump scares. Uh, but I'll get to that later. Uh, but I, I really love how this movie does. It does a good job of drawing a, a scene. will start, we'll build the tension. We'll have the moment that relieves the tension, whether it's a joke or a scare. And then we're on to the next thing. Uh, and it does that really well. One thing I do remember, give mind it has been, I, I didn't get a chance to rewatch anything before we, before tonight because i've been busy but um i do remember uh in that first one uh when they're when they're doing their their setups because you made you reminded me about the 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 camcorder that whole segment that whole section you know where they're they're in the house and stuff you know what that that reminded me of when i was watching it more than anything the the first poltergeist yeah it reminded me a lot of Poltergeist, and I love Poltergeist. It's one of my favorite horror movies. Don't think it's an accident. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, when when they're they're setting up the cameras and everything. Yeah, I uh, I love, love any that. ghost haunted house movie that gets into paranormal investigators. Even though I can't fucking stand paranormal investigation TV shows like Ghost Adventures or Ghost oh. Bros or whatever. I don't know. Name yeah, anyone God, else? I fucking hate I, those. Shows. I hate those shows too. They're 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 horrible. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Uh, disclaimer: yeah. I don't believe in ghosts, uh, and I definitely don't believe that if we discover uh, a spirit world or an afterlife, it's not going to be some yokels with night vision cameras in a supposedly haunted house uh, too close to the power lines. Yeah, on the Discovery Channel or yeah. whatever, or whatever airs those shows. Um, and I'm I'm really not a fan of talking to some of these people uh in in real life because we've met a few of them at, at some conventions and you want to talk yep. about people who have drank their own kool-aid uh <laughs> <laughs> look look there there are people who who very much believe in the paranormal and that's fine that is your own prerogative it's not hurting yep, anybody you fine. believe yep, what you yep. want to believe 
But just because you can't immediately explain something doesn't mean it's a ghost. Yes. Uh, there's a process of investigation, and just because you don't understand what caused the orb in your picture doesn't mean it's a ghost. But there are people who will jump to, what is that? It's got to be a ghost. <laughs> sure. What, okay, fine. I, I know we're getting off on a tangent here, but... That's what, what we do on this show. <laughs> what kills me, what kills me is, uh, for for those who are listening to us who don't know, my myself and, and Obi-John do uh, uh, Ghostbusters cosplay to raise you know, money for charity. And reenactment. We are re- okay, reenactors. reenactors for Ghostbusters. We reenactors. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, when we meet these people, uh, the amateur... Well, the amateur and the 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 ones that have shows, uh, uh, and were in full Ghostbusters gear, you know, jumpsuit, yeah. proton pack, the whole nine yards. Literally, they start talking to us about their real life investigations, and and you just you just you can only stare at them because you're trying to be polite to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like you're just like, dude, we, movie. <laughs> Uh, I've I worked with the public for almost 20 years, so I have a really good shit-eating grin. Uh, my smile and nod is on point. Do a lot of that at certain uh, conventions when, when people come up and want to talk to me about that. It's like, yeah, uh-huh. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. Wow. Neat. Cool. I got to go now. <laughs> Just like when you get... Uh... When when you're when you're interacting with the, the the kids and they're they're like oh is the proton pack real and stuff and of course you know, real as it gets real as it gets we're you know doing that but then you sometimes you get the parents they're like really yeah <laughs> yep uh, but no yeah. that's a perfect segue to uh, something I, I I love about this franchise in general there's an old saying never let the truth get in the way of a good story uh, whether you're ghost hunting or making a movie about ghosts. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. I love the whole Conjuring universe because of what it does, what every movie does to a, to a certain degree. The Nun, not so much, but we'll get into that. Uh, it, it takes real events. The Warrens are real. Uh, I think uh, uh, Lorraine passed away just last year, so they're 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 gone now. Yeah. Or are they? Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> But they 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 were real people. They did investigate paranormal stuff. They did have several uh, sort of famous investigations, and that's what the Conjuring and the Conjuring Two are based on. Is is their again based on their uh, experiences with these investigations? That being said, there's big oh. uh, creative uh, not differences, creative control taken, uh, creative uh, license, creative liberties. There we go, creative liberties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because it's a movie. Yes. And I'm fine with that. I love that it uh-huh. it, it gives you, because what every horror movie needs to do is give you enough realism uh, and enough logic in Act 1 that you'll buy into whatever happens in Act 3. You know, Ghostbusters, perfect example of that. Act 1, we're very much, this is New York in the 80s. We're using camcorders and there's no sci-fi shit. And then a ghost happens. And we slowly build to... By the time we get to Act 3, you believe that there's a 100-foot Marshmallow Man manifestation stomping through the city. We built to that, so you're there. You're game. And I think that these movies, again, uh, The the Conjuring starts that, but it's definitely uh, something they use in the playbook of every movie is we gradually build. Yes. 
it's 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 almost kind of cliche but it, it's a family moving into a new home they don't know the history of the home it starts out very very you know haunting of oh there's a spirit here or something and again something that becomes kind of a trope and then maybe even a cliche for the series is it's not a ghost it's a demon uh and what's the difference between those two um but yeah the conjuring great movie uh i, I love it, it's a great horror movie i think it, it relies less on again the gore and um that stuff and it's more about tension and and ratcheting up the tension you know you're yeah. you're stumbling in the dark and you can you know you, uh, the lighting throughout this whole series and, and it starts with the conjuring the way they use light and particularly shadows you see a dark corner someone's staring into it there's there's something in the corner there's something in the corner and the camera cuts back to the corner and you as a viewer jump up and go what's what's i don't see anything what's in the corner what's in the like they do a great job of drawing you in and and using shadow to reveal things um there's a great one in conjuring too but we'll get to that but uh i'm with you i love the conjuring yeah it is good and when, when i first started watching the conjuring of course me being me i uh, went down the went down the rabbit hole of the warrens and started you know while i'm watching the movie because uh, i can never do just one thing at a time um started doing the the research and look uh, looking them up and 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 you know reading their story and stuff and uh yeah when it comes to either the movie conjuring warrens or the real life warrens yes yeah, yeah stick with the movie ones cuz the real yep. life ones are shit gets uh, weird kids <laughs> very very mundane ish yeah. um they seem like nice folks um but nothing like what's in the movie so stick with the movie yeah. Definitely. Uh, and, and again, I was just going through my notes to make sure I didn't forget anything because I've got this might be the most notes I've ever taken for a show because uh, I took notes in every single movie. Uh, but it, it it relies on simple tricks and and devices to create tension and scares. It's not over reliant on CGI or makeup effects. Things like a match. You're in a dark room. You light a match. You know, I know, we all know that match is going to go out. When's it going to go out? And then you have the get a new match out. You hear them digging the new match out, striking it, and you know it's something going to put. You know, once the light comes back on, oh god, what are we? It, it gets you gets that tension built up in you. Uh, the clap and hide game, which is introduced in this movie, where it's, it's hide and go seek, kind of mixed with Marco Polo, uh, but someone claps, and the way they play with the clapping. Um, it, it, sound is another big element they use to this, where sound doesn't come from where you expect it to come from. Um, but again, simple things build lots of tension, build lots of big scares. It doesn't rely on the big CGI monster coming at you, and I really appreciate that. Uh, I feel like sometimes the simplest things are the best. That being said, yeah. let's complicate the fuck out of this franchise. Uh, introduced in The Conjuring in a weird kind of prologue that doesn't really bear much on the story itself, except to introduce the Warrens. Uh, somehow this character got so popular they gave her her own spinoff movie, which became her own spinoff series. I'm talking about the 2014 movie Annabelle, which officially made this a cinematic universe. Um, Scott, thoughts on Annabelle? <sighs> yep, enough said. Uh... <laughs> You know, coming off of The Conjuring going into Annabelle, I, I have to say I was a bit disappointed. Um, You're not alone. Yeah. 
uh, as cool as creepy dolls are, and they can be because I love, you know, the, the, the original child's play movies, mm-hmm. even like the, the, the crappy direct video ones. I still like those. Um, I don't know. I, I was really, I kind of, I felt disappointed because we get that opening thing of the Warrens where it ties back into the first conjuring a little bit. Which which I loved because it was a scene that we saw, a scene that we saw, yeah, um, in The Conjuring, but from different angles. Yep. Which which I thought was really was brilliant and great and awesome, but then we leave the Warrens behind, and now we're on to this other story, and I'm like, I'm a, I, I felt myself missing the the Warrens. I'm like, I, I don't what I want my yeah, Warrens think- back. I honestly think it was a mistake to even put the Warrens in that. So it, it revisits the scene from The Conjuring where we... In, in The Conjuring, it's to introduce the Warrens. Yes. And they're already investigating the case, which happens to be Annabelle. So at the beginning of Annabelle, we go back to that and we expand on it a bit. The problem is, the story they're telling in that prologue scene is not the story we're going to watch in the movie. No, it's so not. So I don't really know why it's in Annabelle. And in Other fact, than just to tie the two together. Yeah, my biggest issue with Annabelle in general is the story is choppy as hell. We had that opening uh, pre-credit thing where we go back into the events of uh, uh, the Annabelle case the, that the Warrens investigated, uh, yeah. which is not which is everyone assumed okay they're going to make an Annabelle movie. Oh, it'll be that story with yeah. the two nurses who live together who get the doll. It'll be that stretched into a movie. Yeah. No. Yep. And on the one hand, I give them uh, the the producers credit for not doing that because we already saw how that story ends. So it would have been kind of pointless to stretch that out into an hour and a half movie when they already gave us the you know the Cliff Notes version in Conjuring. Yep. So okay, craft a new story for it. Got it. Cool. The story they craft is all over the map because we meet this couple, uh, and you can barely see that because John, the husband, is really bland and has no character at all other than he's the overworked husband. Uh, and I now have a new absolute pet peeve in movies, which is when the husband is named John and the wife spends most of the movie yelling John, because that triggers me every time I hear someone yell, John, John, I'm like what? Oh, but oh, it's, it's the movie. It's the movie. Um, <laughs> so that drove me nuts the whole time. Uh, but so, so we meet this couple they have, and we're able to slowly like introduce, this is after we've already had like an opening prologue scene with the Warrens and the doll. We meet this couple, we go through their their lives, and we're kind of, okay, here we go, act one, we're establishing character, and they've got the neighbors next door, and they go to church together, and the neighbor's daughter disappeared and ran off and joined a hippie cult. Okay, fine, it's the 60s, all right, whatever. Then we get the scene where the cult people break into the neighbor's house and kill spoilers for the movie. We're going to spoil all these movies. If you haven't seen any of these movies, stop listening to this episode. Uh, (laughs) They kill the the neighbors next door, and it leads to that whole scene there where the the wife gets stabbed. That's a good, like, 15 minutes right there of of all this stuff, and it ends up that uh, the daughter hippie cult lady puts her soul into the doll. Yeah. yeah. Well, so yeah, you get, so first of all, there's a trope here that I, I absolutely, that's starting to gain a lot more popularity and I don't like it. And that is that, you know, things done in the sixties or that type of, uh, uh, that type of setting, uh, apparently has to have some kind of, uh, an, uh, analogous, a character that is analogous to 
uh, Charles Manson. You know, because I mean, the the whole hippie cult and, and everything. Because because you get the the daughter coming home and the guy that she with is very is very much a a Manson esque kind of character. He is, um, but he's not in it very long. So let he's that, not I'll, in it very long. It um, and of course, I I think that ruined uh, the the movie uh, the the I can't remember the the one night at the hotel thing uh, for me at the end of it. <laughs> Bad night at the El Royale. Yeah, that. Um, fantastic movie it is all the way up until act three um but that's neither here nor there but so you got that and then and then like you said she somehow puts her soul into the doll so we shift into child's play yeah and you think okay there Uh, there's our setup okay fine here we go well then we jump to coming home from the hospital and the marriage isn't going great and the she's on bed rest and weird things start to happen. And it's like, it, it feels like this movie starts like three different times. Cause then we get all the weird stuff in the house and they end up after the baby's born, moving out of the house yeah. to an apartment. So we start at one again, establishing the apartment, the neighbors, the people upstairs It's like, what are you doing? Like this movie just keeps shifting Re- back and restarting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it 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 does one thing that I will give it credit for, and I really do appreciate it, is is this is not Chucky. This is not a cursed doll running around with a knife stabbing people. Uh, this is which is, not. is just something I was afraid we, we were going to get into because to me that's all kind of goofy. Which is part of the charm of Chucky is it's kind of inherently goofy. Uh, but this one. The hook is the thing we learned is no, no, no. The doll is just an object. The doll's being manipulated by what we first think is an evil spirit, which we then later learn is actually a demon. Uh, and it leads to one of my favorite shots in this entire series, uh, where you see the first time you think you see Annabelle actually move. She's laying on the floor, she sits up. She starts to float. You're like, oh, my God, the doll's moving. And they slowly turn the camera as the light kind of exposes. And you see standing right behind the doll with its hand on it is it's your first shot of the horned demon. Mm-hmm. First of all, creepy fucking makeup. Great effect. Again, I love the simple things of just you know moving the camera a little bit. The doll's not moving. It's being moved. And that was a great visual hook of, oh, shit. And a great reveal for that demon, which still creeps me out. Um, but I that, and I really like that we 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 stuck to that. Uh, looking over my notes real quick. Demon is creepy AF. I had that written down. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, my biggest problem with this is again, it it keeps false starting. Uh, we already know how the Warrens come into possession of the doll. We've already got the Cliff Notes version of that. So we're left making up another story about the doll. And I don't think it works as well. Uh, there's a lot of cool elements they introduce, like the cult itself. <clears throat> I kept waiting for that to come around again. Uh, the daughter was in this cult. We find out that the cult she was in worships the horned one or the horned god or something like that, uh, which is a demon. And other than reading about it in a book, like the cult never shows back up. Yeah, no. Um, never. Yeah. Uh, but the, the demon makeup is fantastic. I love the fact that, again, it's it's not an animated doll. The doll's being moved by something else. Uh, that was, a, I think, a good way to avoid getting into Chucky territory. Um, but as a whole, 
kind of disappointing. Not even yeah. kind of, just disappointing. Yeah, coming off The Conjuring, it is it is a disappointing movie. Uh, does feature a body count, which not a lot of these movies do. Uh, people actually die in this movie. Um, and I had another note about... Um, crap, I did not write his name down. Uh, Father Perez in this movie is played by... Hold on. Dude from Stargate. Uh, Teal's teacher whose name I can't think of now. Oh, yeah, Master Braytac. Yes. Yeah, that's his name, Master Braytac. <laughs> Has a great cameo for Master Braytac. Tony Amendola, there we go, um, who will make an appearance later on down the list. But uh, him, he's great as the, the kindly priest. Um, and then Alfred Woodard plays the a, the neighbor who owns the bookstore, um, who ends up saving the day. Um, they were fun to watch. The couple, boring and vanilla as fuck. But those it two has, characters were fun it, to watch. It has some decent supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 has a decent hook right at the beginning, but the, with the with the cult, but then it throws that away and gives us this. Other thing, and yeah, like, yeah. like you said, so the, the movie coming coming off of The Conjuring, going into Annabelle, it's it's disappointing, it's all over the place. Uh, it could have been better. I, I'm not saying it's like, a, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it felt like we had three different scripts of three different Annabelle stories, and then it said, eh, just put them all together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's better than watching The Martian. So if you have a choice, <laughs> watch Annabelle. Just saying. Can't argue with that. Uh, hundred percent more master Braytac. So there you go. A hundred percent more master Braytac. Yes. Jumping on that, we get to uh, the Conjuring Two in 2016. The Warrens are back, investigating Yay. another famous case. Scott, what do you think of the Conjuring Two? I was very happy to be back with the Warrens. It was like it was like putting on a uh, a comfy you know like jacket or something after you know the summer. Uh. <laughs> I don't know how else to. I don't know why no, I'm I know that feeling all too well. Yeah, you know, you, you you get to get the the old jacket back out, and you're like, oh, hey, what did I leave in my pocket? Oh, dice. Okay, wow. Three days. Yes. Yeah. So, um, um, so we get, we get more of what worked in the first movie, which is never a bad thing. Yeah. Um, it it proved for me. This is like proof of concept because it's it's. Take the same basic idea behind the conjuring and replicate it. It's the Warrens are back investigating a case. It's another take a famous case from the real Warrens, strip mine what we want out of that, add our own elements to it, because again, never let truth get in the way of the story yep. and try to replicate that. And I think it works beautifully. It does. It does. I mean, you know, because because this one, this one film, fo- this one focuses on the 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 Enfield poltergeist, right in London. That's the actual case. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, but the fact that they they refer to the events, you know, from the Amityville Horror, um, yep. which which nowadays is probably one of the more famous made up real life cases, I mm-hmm. guess you could call it, because the people that the the people that moved into that house after the 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 the, the killings and stuff have admitted that they fully made up, like. All the stuff, and actually, I think the well, I think the girls in the 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 Enfield Poltergeist have said they made up a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say that again. Why that that concept works so well is, is you know the the 
make ideas from the real cases. Is yeah, the Enfield yeah. case is is one of those where it was revealed years and years later. Uh, yeah. At least most of the disturbances were faked. Uh, yes. I don't think they ever flat out said everything was a fake, but uh, it, it was revealed that mo- several of the recorded instances were faked. Yeah. Um, but the movie, they, go ahead. Well, they actually they bring that up in the movie because there there yes. is an incident in the movie that that they do, but then they find out that that incident was faked. So they sidestep it. Yeah, they sidestep it, and they sidestep it very well. Um, one thing I did like from this movie uh, was. Because they recorded, you know, the the sisters doing the mm-hmm. the voices and stuff a lot, uh, and I went and found the footage of the actual sisters that they recorded, mm-hmm. and they recreated those recordings like almost to a T, uh, beautifully so. The, those sessions where they recorded the girls, they they are almost you could put them side by side, and they're damn near identical. It was it was kind of cool. I love their attention to detail in that. Yeah, uh, no, the, the the way they do the sort of bait and switch with um, um, the ghost in the house, uh, the ghost of Billy, the former tenant. And, and again, it, it, it becomes it, it starts out as a trope and it quickly becomes a cliche. We learn in the third act, it's not really a ghost. It's a demon. Say it with me, kids. <laughs> if it worked the first two times, do it again. But it was the reveal that was really well done. Uh, where we find out uh, we we think the the previous tenant who died is the one who's who's causing all the uh, manifestations and whatnot, and it turns out that no, he's actually just a pawn to a greater evil in the house. Which brings me to what is is maybe the best um, thing Conjuring Two was known for, which is introducing us to the character of the nun. Yes, uh, which is creepy as fuck. She is horribly uh, so. Yes, um, I mean. I'm I'm Catholic, mm-hmm. I, I guess, and um, I'm a Jedi. I guess. Um, <laughs> Whitney loves that joke, by the way. <laughs> but I love when you know you you get because uh, Catholicism and and Christianity in general are are steeped in uh you know uh symbolism and iconography and mm-hmm. lore and i love it when when movies use that lore um to to tell a good story it doesn't have to be a horror story i mean uh, i i like angels and demons um uh i like uh what was what was the movie um angels in the Hatfield? no 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 the the, the movie with uh the, the, the three, the three, the three uh, dogma. I love dogma. <laughs> it's, it's funny you bring that up because literally yesterday as I was going to lunch, I'm like, I want to see dogma again. And I, and while I was, while I was in the drive through waiting, I pulled up on my phone, the, 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 uh, Alan Rickman's entrance is the Metatron. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, no, there, there's the movie with, uh, Heath Ledger and the other two primary cast members from, uh, 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 a Knight's Tale. Uh, I don't know the, the the actress that played his love interest. She's in the movie, and the the guy that played Roland in A Knight's Tale. He and Heath Ledger are priests. I can't remember the name of that movie right now. All right, hold on, it's not that long of a list. Give me uh, Heath, The Dark Knight. No, 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 no. Brokeback oh. Mountain. No, 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 no. Although I can Ten see how things you can get I hate that. about you. There we go. I found it. Yeah, yeah. 
That's it. <laughs> but no, uh, so you know anything like uh, the Exorcist, um, the there, order. There's, there's, uh, the Order, yes, thank you. I, I, I like that movie. Um, it's not the greatest movie in the world, but any time that they, they bring in, uh, you know, the stuff uh, like that, the the Catholicism, Christianity, and things, uh, I think it's a, a treasure trove of things that, that can be mined. It usually doesn't because they don't like to piss off the Christian right and stuff. Yeah, they want to piss off the church. Yeah, but uh, that, I for the extra scene. did, but when that when that demon nun showed up in the Conjuring too, that um, scene when uh, um um uh, I blanked on the wife's name now, um, Lorraine, sorry, yeah. walks into Ed's studio and it's it's the the first reveal of her with the paint. All again, another beautiful use of light and shadow because that that painting itself is a lot of recessed dark areas. Um, but that whole scene is fantastic. Uh, I love, and this is something I didn't notice until a, a recent rewatch that they subliminally throughout the entire movie show you the name of the demon before they reveal the name of the demon. Uh, it pops up in I think three or four different spots throughout yes. the entire movie. Uh, it was just like, oh my god, like it's it's. I love that character. I love what they did with that character. Uh, again, the simples tricks are the best. It's it's a character with a white face and a dark figure, which lets you play with that light and shadow that they love to do in these movies so well. Those creepy yellow eyes. Uh, it's it's a literal, literally a tailor made uh, villain for these movies. And I'm not at all surprised that she got her own spinoff movie, which we'll get to later. Um, but she is, ugh, sorry, used very sparingly in this movie, but to great effect. She's kind of the Hannibal Lecter of this movie. Mm-hmm. She's not the main villain that we're focusing on for most of the movie. She's kind of in the background. Um, but uh, fantastic. Well, it makes me see. I'm I'm really anxious, and I'm kicking myself because I haven't gotten a chance to get to it yet. Uh, but I really want to see the nun, and and I know we're going to talk about the nun later. But I spoil anything for you. But but I'm I'm really curious uh, as to exactly what's going to happen in the nun because obviously the nun has to survive the movie because the nun takes place in like 1952, whereas this movie takes place was it the 70s or the 80s. 70s, I think. 70s. Yeah, 77. So, yeah. that That's what I'm really curious about, is how they go back and and deal with this, uh, resolve the plot line of the movie without, mm-hmm. like, the, the typical we defeated the nun type thing, or, or, or the demon's name. I don't know the actual demon's name, but... I could tell you, but it's kind of a spoiler. So... It's not to tell you in the second movie, but I'm just going to bite my lip. Um, But yeah, the other character introduced in this movie uh, is the Crooked Man, which is a a manifestation, I believe, of the polter, the the ghost, the Billy Ghost, um, the Billy Ghost Gruff. Uh, (laughs) It's the children's, uh, um, we call zoetrope. Uh, the little image spinning inside the wheel of the crooked man, yes. and then that comes to, and it's every time it manifests itself, it's animated. It's a CGI character, but it's animated like it's uh, still in a zoetrope. So its movements are kind of jerky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, Get a strobe that, effect going on. Yeah, too. yeah, really well done. Um, 
again, used only, I think, two or three times in the whole movie, but to great effect. And also still in development, giving the Crooked Man his own spinoff, um, which I thought I remember there being a lot more myth behind the Crooked Man than there really is in the movie, um, which might be part of what's taken so long to get that movie made. Um, but The Conjuring 2 in general, if you liked Conjuring 1, Conjuring 2 is more of what you loved. Uh, we're, we're using the same playbook, but very effectively uh, introduced some new, really interesting villain characters. Uh, the Warrens are back in true form. Um, gives us our first real hint at their daughter, who we'll get to later. Um, but she's definitely uh, one place the franchise might be going to for the future. Uh, but Conjuring 2, uh, I think just as good, if not better. I, I might I might like Conjuring 2 better than Conjuring 1. I I would, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I kind of like them both equally, you know, for different reasons. But, you know, I, I try not to be judgmental. I, I try to, you know. But hey, you, you do you, man. I mean, if you want to, you know. I judge everything harshly. Uh, <laughs> that brings us to, uh, unless there's anything else you want to say about Conjuring 2. Nope. We're good. Uh, 2017's Annabelle Creation, The Do-Over. Yeah. And... Uh, which, I'll give them credit. Normally, when it's like, okay, that Annabelle didn't work out so great. I mean, it made money, but audience reaction, people weren't too happy about it. So let's try it again. I know what we'll do. Let's go even further back in time. But it worked. It did. It worked beautifully. Uh, I, I watched this movie, and I, I admit I was confused when I went into it because I'm like, okay, we're back in like what, like the 30s or something, or is it even further than that? When when does that take place? I think the prologue is in the 40s, and then we take the a time 40s. jump in the 50s, I believe. Yeah, and. I'm like, but we know how Annabelle was created. We saw it in the first one. So how are they? What? I'm confused. But no, the movie, it pulls you in. It, it, it's a decent story. And they they tie it back in very well, mm-hmm. in my opinion. One of the things I liked about it is that this is literally the creation of the doll. Uh, we meet the guy who made the Annabelle doll. And we learn that Annabelle is one of 100. So the doll we're seeing throughout these movies may not necessarily be the exact same doll. Um, put a pin in that. Um, my notes. Uh, uh, the story is, yeah, like you said, really interesting. It, it, again, it's a little choppy to start. We meet the, um, the, the Mullins family. Mr. Mullins and Mrs. Mullins run the, a doll company out of their, their house. They have a daughter. A tragedy happens. We jump cut to, I think it's 12 years later, um, and they're opening up their house to a nearby orphanage that's about to shut down. Um, So there's a group of, I think it's six girls of varying ages and a nun coming to stay with them to use their big house because it's just the two of the, just the Mullins in the house. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's your setup. Uh, It's it's the young girls uh, kind of exploring the house and things. And we slowly un- unveil through a mystery, uh, which is something else that the Conjuring movies sort of started to, to, to put into place, um, is the whole mystery element of unraveling what's really going on. Like, the creepy shit starts early, but we don't quite understand what exactly is happening to, until the movie goes on and we investigate and figure more things out. Um, but we fi- come to find out the, the Mullins who lost their daughter uh, at one point apparently tried to bring their daughter back which is never a good thing. Uh, another trope in these movies. If someone dies, leave them alone. 
Yes, heed the words of Herman him. Munster. <laughs> Sometimes dead is better. Uh, yeah, just because uh, every time you try, uh, bad things happen. That's another uh, cliche or trope or whatever we're going to call it in these movies. Is anytime someone tries to contact a loved one who's passed on, bad shit's going to happen. Uh, so they try to contact their daughter. It goes awry. They think they're they're giving their this uh, these their spirit of their daughter permission to inhabit this doll. Spoiler: It's not. Say it with me, kids. It's not a ghost. It's a demon. Um, so we learn because this movie, what it does, which is interesting, it recontextualizes everything we saw in Annabelle. Uh, we learn how the demon got attached to the doll. We learn what we don't know until the very end of this movie is actually the origin story of the daughter of the neighbors. Uh, because at the end of this movie, so the, the one of the girl characters uh, ends up getting possessed by the demon and becomes the, the evil trope and she escapes at the end. And then we cut to she's uh, changed her name and she's at a new orphanage and the neighbor couple from the first movie comes to adopt her, which yep. totally ah, sorry flips the first movie up on its head when we learn that, okay, it's their adopted daughter. So, I mean, basically, in all honesty, Annabelle creation is like the longest third act uh, <laughs> ever made of a movie because it's the third act of Annabelle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, it, it recontextualizes that whole first movie of, of learning that um, the daughter was Judy slash Annabelle. Um, she, the, apparently the demon was inside her for many, many years. So when she uh, is about to, die she's not transferring her soul she's transferring the demon onto the doll which is where all the events of annabelle then take place um yeah so again as a retcon very well done uh but if you're going into it just as a standalone movie you'll be fine till the last five minutes then you'll be confused as fuck uh, so alternatively, yeah, uh, turn the movie off about five minutes before it ends. You're good. Uh, you may not get some of the closure you're looking for, but, um, yeah, it's, it, uh, it does a really good job of that, which again, I did, I would not have gone with the, well, let's go even further back in time to fix it. That to me is like, oh, that's going to be bad. And then no, they, they it, proved me wrong. It worked. It worked very well. Um, so yeah, tracking the story of, Annabelle, the doll, the girl, the spirit, the demon starts to get to be very confusing. Um, I ended up kind of giving up, but we'll come back to that. Um, that leads us to our last few movies. Uh, the Nun in 2018, which gave us the backstory of The Nun. Scott hadn't seen it. I'll gloss over it very quickly. Yeah, this is what I'm uh, up to. Speaking in very general terms, what I love about the movie uh, no, the movie did very well. I think it's the highest performing movie in the Conjuring series financially, but people weren't super hot about it. Um, I love it because, and this is directly from my notes, it is gothic as fuck. Uh, from the opening shot of the movie, old castle that's now an abbey, looking up at it from a graveyard full of handmade crosses. Uh, it looks like something out of a, a, a Hammer movie. It is just straight gothic horror, uh, which you don't see a lot anymore. Yeah, uh, and as for as much as I love movies like Poltergeist and even Conjuring and Conjuring Two, 
where it's a haunted house story that strips away the more stereotypical gothic elements and puts them in in mundane um uh suburban settings this movie we are full circle straight back to uh it's it's not a haunted house it's an old dark castle um one thing i will say i did start watching this movie uh i got up to the point where uh the 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 priest and the person that's traveling with him and i can't remember who that is now because i what i i gotta rewatch from the beginning but i got up to the point where they arrive at the abbey okay so you're still not very far into it. I'm not very far into it, but yeah, you are correct. I mean, it it feels like uh, almost an old school uh, Dracula movie. Yeah, no, just the, just the, because of the setting and the, the shots. And it was filmed 100 percent in Romania, which I love, and which you, as soon as I read that, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> that makes total sense uh, because it, it it feels very much like an old school gothic horror movie, which is why I really liked it. Because, again, that's not something you see very much. We spent the last couple of decades stripping out the gothic from our horror. Uh, you know, that started with Poltergeist. That was why Poltergeist was such a big thing when it came out. Is it was a haunted house movie with all those old tropes removed. And it's a house in bright, sunny California suburbia. But it can be haunted, too. Um, this is a slight spoiler. I won't ruin the whole thing. But it, it turns out the setting for this is an abbey in Romania. That's not a spoiler. Uh, we come to find out it was a castle built back in the middle, uh, ye olden times, uh, the <laughs> middle ages, <laughs> the medieval times when we had Pepsi, but no utensils. Um, and then it was donated to the church uh, and it, it suffered some damage during World War Two. So like the setting itself has some character to it, which I appreciated, um, which is something again, you know, the the after seeing several big old dark houses because conjuring is a big old dark house and annabelle uh, uh creation is a big old dark house and uh you know, we've had a lot of those but this was like again the the location itself has some character to it um it also has very much a mystery element to it um the, the something happens at this convent this this cloister of nuns is is very kind of solitary um why that is is part of the mystery, <clears throat> but something happens, and and a, a priest who works for the Catholic Church who investigates uh, miracles and things is sent to check on it. They send a, a nun who has not taken her vows yet. I don't forget what you call that. A Padawan nun uh, is sent with her. Uh, <laughs> She's called a novitiate. <laughs> yeah, like I said, uh, Padawan nun is Padawan sent nun. with him. <laughs> Because you know that's the title of this episode, right? Padawan Nun. <laughs> Padawan Nun, it is now. Uh, <laughs> it's sent with because she has um, sort of psychic ability, very much like Lorraine does. In fact, for a very long time, and I'm going to slightly spoil this whole thing, I really thought we were watching an origin story of Lorraine because the actress they got to play that character is their real-life younger sister of Vera Farmiga, who plays Lorraine Warren in the Conjuring movies. Yeah, I, I they, like I like this actress. Uh, uh, the only other thing I've really seen her in is uh, American Horror Story. Yeah, uh, but uh, I, I love those. They have a very strong family resemblance, and I really, really think they're also twenty years apart, which is about exactly the time span of the events of the Nun and the events of the First Conjuring are about twenty years apart. So as I'm reading, I'm like, oh my god, 
Like, that's totally going to be, we're going to find out. Uh, Sister Irene, I think is her name, is really Lorraine. Oh, my God. And, and no, no, you don't. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and ruin that for you. <laughs> Not what they're doing there. Although there are plenty of fan theories about how that might still work. Uh, they just happen to share a lot of similarities. Anyway, they're sent out here to investigate what's going on. So the whole story has a very mystery vibe to it, which I always appreciate. Because um, it gives you enough, it, it piecemeals the information, gives you enough to keep you interested, but saves a lot of uh, big reveals for later in the movie. Um, there's one scene in particular, I will not spoil it, but it's where we learn the backstory of the castle itself. It's a very quick scene, but it in itself would make a badass movie. And if they don't make one, I will. Um, I don't want to ruin too much. Uh, but uh, Scott, cover yours for like 10 seconds. It's okay. You're fine. Go ahead. It involves the Duke who built the castle, studying the occult, being stopped by the Knights Templar. Like the scene lasts all of 30 seconds. And I was like, make that a movie. I will watch <laughs> an hour and a half of that, please. Um, but yeah, uh, I really enjoyed The Nun. I, I get that I'm kind of in the minority of that. But um, Scott, I, I'm trying not to spoil stuff for you, but no, watch okay. this movie. I, I will. Uh, I will watch it this week. You have my word. <laughs> I'll bring it tomorrow. <laughs> I don't think Danny would get into this movie. He's going to fall asleep no matter what. <clears throat> um, that brings us to Annabelle Comes Home in 2019, a.k.a. The Conjuring 2.5. Uh, which Scott also hasn't seen, so I'll gloss over this one. Um, first of all, it should not be called Annabelle. This is not an Annabelle story. Uh, the basic premise is the Warrens, uh, who, hey, the Warrens are back. Yay! Always happy to have more Warrens. <laughs> um, we see them picking up the Annabelle doll. So once again, we go back to that scene from Conjuring 1, where they're in the apartment with the uh, nun roommates. Or, or no, a nurse, nurse, the nurse roommate, yeah. sorry. Uh, and they pick up the doll and they're bringing it back home. Uh, <laughs> revisiting that for the third time. Um, we then jump into, I think, a year later. So it did this the events of Annabelle Comes Home, I believe, run concurrently with the events of The Conjuring 1. I think... Um, but what happens is so the, the Ed and Lorraine go away to investigate a case. They leave their daughter, uh, Judy, I believe, um, home. She's got a babysitter. So we get a little bit of team drama stuff. Uh, the babysitter's best friend comes over because she's got a thing for the occult. And she found out who the Warrens are. And she wants to go see all the creepy stuff. Um, and because it's a teen movie, she breaks into the museum and touches everything and absolutely uh, pulls the gremlins and lets all kinds of shit loose. Um, and that's the movie is, is all, all the haunted cursed artifacts the Warrens have in their, um, whatever you want to call it, their safe room. Um, containment unit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, get loosed. Um, Annabelle is one of those things. And we, we come to learn Annabelle, the doll itself is, is a beacon to evil things. Um, which feels like it's shoved in there just to make Annabelle relevant. Otherwise, she's just one of many other things we meet, including the fairy man, who is another awesome character who I'd love to see get his own movie. Um, a not werewolf, a hellhound, uh, <laughs> which again looks like a really cool case that could make its own movie. Uh, we get a little bit of a tease of the one artifact I really want to see get a movie, but I'll come back to that. 
Um, is it a puzzle box? Because I think it, it is, can help you with that. It is not a puzzle box. Oh, okay. Um, but th- that that's the movie, and it's not bad. Uh, my only complaint is it introduces a lot of cool characters, but they don't get much screen time. Uh, they're there for, like, the, the fairy man has maybe the most t- running time, and he gets maybe 15, 20 minutes of the movie uh, to him and his gimmick. Uh, but there's also uh, the bride, the hellhound, uh, Annabelle, who there's one really cool segment where Annabelle goes through all of the forms we've seen her in from the doll to the girl to the cult lady to the demon uh which is a really cool sequence kind of nodding to like the history of that character um but again lots of cool characters but they don't get a whole lot of development and that i think that's very much uh on purpose i think they were throwing a lot of things at the wall to see what would stick and hoping okay well people respond to this character and this character we can spin those off um yeah, it but sounds it's not, to me. Okay, I haven't sorry. seen it, but it sounds to me like uh, it, it's almost like a, a kind of a shotgun blast of characters and ideas and stuff uh, that could be used later to continue to expand the the franchise yeah. and the universe. Yeah, and it's it, the characters that we meet uh, the the daughter and her babysitter and babysitter's friend are well written characters. You you genuinely genuinely care about them and what happens to them. Um, you definitely see them building up the, the, the daughter Judy as maybe uh, where the franchise could go later, but we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, not a bad movie at all. Got some really good scares. Got some really genuine. You know, it plays, it uses that old playbook, adds a few new things to it. I think the Hellhound Werewolf thing is going a little bit too far, uh, but until you push the boundaries, you don't know where they are, so I'm fine with it. Uh, but this is not an Annabelle movie. This is The Conjuring 2.5. Um, and even that doesn't feel like a, a, a descriptive enough title. Uh, it's shit gets loose. The movie uh, <laughs> shit gets loose. The movie. Um, yeah. But, uh, and actually I glossed over one, which I kind of intentionally did, uh, just to finish this out. Uh, the curse of La Llorona, or as I refer to it, the curse of my Sharona, uh, came out in 2018. Uh, so it actually came out before, Annabelle comes home for those of you who were screaming at me. Oh, you missed one. You missed one. I didn't miss one because, yes, Curse of La Llorona does take place in the same universe. But other than a cameo from Father Perez. Uh, sorry, there's other no, than a cameo <laughs> from Master Braytac. From Master Braytac. There's really nothing that connects it to the Conjuring. The Warrens aren't in it. Um, you know, they don't call them or contact them. It, it's really a standalone horror movie using the same rule book as the Conjuring movies with a, a fun little cameo from Father Perez. Uh, but he's literally only in it for five movies and he basically says, yeah, I'm not doing that shit again. Call this guy. Um, <laughs> that's basically what he's there for. Uh, it's not a bad movie, but as of the time of this recording, it really does not play much into the Conjuring universe. It's very much the same way that like Guardians of the Galaxy one is a cool, fun Marvel movie, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the Marvel universe until much further down the line. So some of these characters might come back into play. Uh, La Llorona might come back into a, a movie further down the line. I don't know. Um, but as of right now, it doesn't really, I mean, it does, it's in the same universe, but it doesn't really, narratively tie in with anything so that's why i'm glossing over that one completely so that's what we've gotten so far 
So while we've been going over this, I've been looking yeah. and and there's a there's a nun there's a the nun Funko Pop. I kind of want no, thank it. Thank you. No, I kind of want it. Not in my house. No. <laughs> I kind of want it. <laughs> it's all yours. There's also uh, if you jump on Etsy uh, or maybe even eBay, uh, people will give you a a hand painted recreation of the painting of the nun. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, not in my house. Mm. No, thank you. I gotta see if I can find that now. Oh, something else about the nun. Uh, you come to find out that the demon, whose name I won't spoil for you, uh, is also the Lord of Serpents, which means snakes. So lots of snakes in the nun. And I don't like snakes. So not in my house. Why did it have to be snakes? Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Fucking hit him. Burn with fire. Uh, so part two so- of this, that's that's what we've gotten from the Conjuring universe. Uh, which was so what what you're saying is that's the reason why they didn't get Samuel L. Jackson is because they didn't call it Snakes in an Abbey. <laughs> Correct. Okay. If they changed the title, they could have gotten Samuel L. Jackson, but they didn't want to budge. Um that's what we've gotten again. This was never when the conjuring was made, it was never intended to be a cinematic universe. It was one of those things that just kind of organically happened. People realized, oh, these movies are or, or you know, people liked this movie. There's characters we could spin off. The spin off characters are doing well. Again, um, The Nun and, you know, Annabelle's got her own trilogy now. The Nun, while it didn't do great with, with audiences, uh, as far as reception, it did make lots of money. They are working on another Nun movie. That's literally all we know about it. The Nun 2, uh, to be, it was announced in 2019. They're working on a script. Uh, it'll be produced by James Wan, who directed the Conjuring movies and has produced all the other movies. Uh, but that's all we know about it. But again, it, so <clears throat> this wasn't like the MCU, uh, you know, like phase two on where we planned out things one movie at a time. This is very much fast and loose. Uh, with oh yeah, this is kind of cool. We can oh we can tie that into that. No, oh, we can do this with that. And then this character is cool. We can give that character its own movie. And that's that's where Annabelle comes home. Kind of feels like it's it's the backdoor pilot for hey, let's throw a bunch of character ideas we have and see what the audiences respond to, and maybe we'll give those some movies. Um, so because of that, <clears throat> the timeline doesn't quite exactly sync up with every movie. There are some inconsistencies between things. Uh, they're not really concerned with that. They're taking it one movie at a time. What do people respond to? We'll go from there. Uh, so the the next segment then is is what's coming. That's what we've gotten. What do we know is coming down the line? Uh, and we'll so we talked about the nun too. Uh, the crooked man uh, was also announced, but is still to uh, to be determined. Um, it's a story about the crooked man character from Conjuring Two. It's labeled as in development. Um, it was announced at the same time that they said they were going to make a movie about the nun. So I'm not sure what's holding up the crooked man movie so much other than maybe they didn't have as much to work with, but there you go. Uh, the big one, which is what I was aided for last. It was supposed to come out this year. Uh, it was supposed to come out in September. It is now currently scheduled for release June of 2021. The conjuring, the devil made me do it. It's his real title. I'm not making that up. Yeah, I, um, I, I read through some of the stuff that's coming out in, in prep, mm-hmm. um, and I have to say I, I'm I'm not looking forward to this as much as I thought I was going to. Okay. Because 
one of the things that I found is that apparently, uh, uh, what's his name here? Uh, Juan, whoever Juan is. Who's Juan? James Juan. Okay, yeah. Apparently, he he stated that it says that the the next film in the series will take place during the 80s, which is fine. Uh, Spoke of ideas for the film exploring lycanthropy, citing American Werewolf in London and the Hound of the Baskervilles as inspiration. Now, I I don't know if that's going to play off of the thing that you described as a hellhound from Annabelle Comes Home or not. Uh, And while I love the Hound of the Baskervilles because I like Sherlock Holmes... I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of 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 werewolf stuff. I, I'm just not. They don't do a lot for me. So to go off on a side tangent, uh, the werewolf genre has a lot of misses. Um, there's a lot of bad werewolf movies out there. Um, for every uh, American Werewolf in London, you get you know the 2008 Wolfman remake or the Cursed. Um, that being said, I'm with you. I don't think werewolves make sense or fit at all in the Conjuring universe. Um, we've really staked our claim with demons and spirits, and and that kind of you know that that seems to be in the ballpark. Uh, there's plenty of of other you know demons and spirit stuff you could play with and investigate, <clears throat> and and uh, I don't think we need werewolves. Uh, I'm fine with James Wan making a werewolf movie, but I don't know if it should be part of the Conjuring universe. Um, Unless in Act Three we find out it's not a werewolf, but it's a demon. It's a demon. You cracked it, Scott. Uh, you heard it here first, kids. <laughs> We're spoiling the Conjuring Three for you. Um, What's well, in the title? So, it says "The Devil Made Me." Do- How can you well, ca- call it "The Devil Made Me Do It" and and make it uh, about a werewolf? It's yeah. got to have another twist to it. Well, so <clears throat> here's what we do know, because not a lot is known about this. It's not being directed by James Wan which automatic half-star deduction for me. Um, he's too busy making Aquaman movies. It's fine. Um, it is also does not have the same writers as the first two movies, so there's another half-star deduction for me. Um, it will deal in some way, shape, or form with the story of Arne Cheyenne from 1981. Uh, this guy killed his landlord, and his defensive trial was that he was under possession of the devil when the act happened. This is a real case. You can look it up. The Warrens were brought in for it. Um, and when directly asked, is this about the story of Arne Cheyenne and the, his trial, the director just said, it's bigger than that. So that's all we know. All right. Um, that being said, I'm excited to see them play up with the uh, the haunted house investigation thing because we've gotten that in several movies. So if this is more of a, you know, courtroom investigation thing, okay, that might be interesting. Um, I'm not entirely sure what direction they're going in, and they're keeping it very close to the chest. Um, But that we'll find out, fingers crossed, June of 2020-21, if the devil really made me do it. Yeah. I also hate that title. Yeah. One thing one thing I do like that I read about this movie is that um uh James Wan actively wants the conjuring universe to take on a life of its own outside of him, which I think is part of the reason why he uh, is, is okay to kind of hand this over to another one. And if this works, uh then I, I think we're gonna get a lot more you know, in this universe, stories told 
other people being brought in. Yeah, and that's that. But we'll see what happens. That's something that's that's already happened several times. Is you know James Wan directed both the Conjuring movies, but the Animal movies, and the rest are all you know different directors are brought in a lot. Um, yeah, and it's one of the things I like about the Conjuring universe is again it, it was not planned to be a universe. Uh, it just kind of sprung from people enjoying these movies and in liking the fact that things were tied in together, um, and it. it organically kind of became this shared universe. Um, and Warner brothers is key to cash in on that because these movies don't cost a lot of money. Usually do pretty well at the box office because they don't cost a lot of money. Um, so as long as we can keep that up, I think we'll be seeing movies in, in this series for a very long time to come. Uh, again, I think the quote was uh, cumulative gross 1.9 billion on a cumulative budget of 140 million. That's pretty damn good return on investment. Well, I mean, so far they're doing a lot better than DC's shared universe. So <laughs> that's a different episode. Um, well, it's not because James Gunn directed the highest grossing DC movie to date, Aquaman. Way to go, James Wan. Way to go. Side note, he's also talking about doing a spinoff movie with the creatures from the deep from Aquaman as a standalone horror movie. Are they demons? Like. Uh, apparently we'll find out in the third act uh, <laughs> they're not really fishmen; they're demons uh but just because of his attachment to the conjuring universe that's the only reason i'm like yeah i'll watch that a sea creature movie directed by james wan i'll watch that it might be the only one in the theater but i'll watch it uh well that brings us to our final topic our final segment of today what do we want from the conjuring cinematic universe more warrens so- <laughs> okay that was definitive <laughs> i can't i can't argue with you <laughs> yeah um yeah no they're great characters the actors are great in those roles um we know we're getting more of them at least, at least one more movie with them yeah, I, I, and as much as it pains me to say, I, I feel like this will probably be the last movie with the Warrens, because you'll have the primary trilogy plus Annabelle Comes Home, so you've had four movies with them. Um, I mean, I guess they could do more. I don't know if they'll do more as they get older, or if the actors will want to continue to do them, or, or whatever, but four movies feels like they're going to start trying to break away from them. I can see them continuing on. Uh, I can also see very clearly the seeds being planted of the daughter taking over the franchise. Um, They've already introduced the, the concept of the daughter being clairvoyant, like the mom is like Lorraine is. Um, She's already just because of who she lives with, kind of taken an interest in, in a knowledge in the supernatural. Um, they introduced kind of a love interest character for her further down the road. There's there's a, a bully character that kind of picks on her and uh, Annabelle comes home. That is, uh, I read this through the trivia, um, named after the husband of the actual daughter because they were already planting the seed of, of the two of them having a romance as they grow up. So we could totally be seeing, um, not necessarily Ed and Lorraine, but 
Warrens investigating for a long time to come. I could see them doing, you know, definitely. We know we're getting a third movie with them. After that, they could sort of transition into like a Tony Stark kind of role, where they they pop up in other movies, but they're not the focus of the movie. Yeah. Or they could, you know, something happens and she needs help and calls in mom or calls in dad, or whatever. I could see that happening. I think she's definitely planting the seed because you could then go through, because again. The whole idea is take a true story, strip mine the things you like out of that, make it your own. Tons of cases from like the 80s, 90s, and 2000s you could investigate with the daughter character all kind of, quote, based on true stories. Um, those would be cool to see. Um, something I said put a pin in. Uh, there's one artifact in the containment unit uh, that I'm dying to see get its own movie, and that is the samurai armor which is supposedly modeled after the uh, Japanese demons called Oni or Ani. Mm. Um, I would love to see what case was tied into that. We get kind of a glimmer of it in, in Annabelle comes home, but it's very, very vague. Uh, I would love to see them go to Japan to investigate, you know, demons there and bring in a whole different set of mythology because Japan has its own mythology about demons uh, and see sort of like a J-horror kind of movie, uh, but but still in the Conjuring universe. That would be awesome. Um, and then my last, what I really want to see, uh, like a pitch it concept, we need at least one more Annabelle movie. And I say that because... After three movies with at least her name in the title, I won't necessarily say they're about her, but her name is in the title. There's still a lot we don't know. And I don't necessarily mean the doll. I mean the demon surrounding the doll. So we know there's a, it, it's called the, the horned god or the horned demon. Uh, we learned that in the second movie. We still don't know its actual name, which we learned in The Conjuring 2 and then later in The Nun. Knowing the name of a demon can give you power over it. We still have no mm -hmm. idea what its actual name is. We still have no idea anything about the cult other than uh, <clears throat> Annabelle, Judy, or not Judy, uh, Janice, whatever her name is, uh, may have been possessed by the demon that the cult is worshipping, even though she was in the cult, and then transferred her, the demon, to the doll. There's a lot of timeline stuff we need cleaned up, and there's a whole wealth of stuff about, other than what it looks like, we don't know shit about this demon. Well, uh, you know, if um, if you did a movie that was set, you know, uh, whenever it needs to be set, but you focused on uh, uh, what, what what was her name? The, the the daughter's name, Janice. Judy. Jen, Judy. Judy. Um, if you basically covered the timeline of when Judy left home, up you know between when she leaves home and then comes back in Annabelle. Oh, that daughter, that uh, that's Janice, and then she renames herself Annabelle. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I was like the, the one daughter. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. yeah, the, the 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 daughter that's in the cult. Yeah, yeah. And we find out. I mean, you can even write it so that um, it's actually she doesn't join a cult. She just you know uh, falls in with with a group of friends, and it's the demon's influence that creates the cult. That'd be cool. You know, so the the cult grows up around her, and then ultimately, whatever circumstances arise there, and you know, the the, the resolution is that they're, for lack of a better term, defeated. Um, then that's what sends her back home. I can see uh, that. Uh, I, I would also love to see a movie with um, 
the Warren's daughter uh, investigating the cult itself because in Annabelle Comes Home, the the doll has a, a weird relationship with her. And you can play the angle of, you know, this thing is his stalked and haunted me my whole life. I'm going to confront it. Um, tons of story opportunity there. Uh, but again, like for, for a, a character, and again, there's this, there's, uh, <clears throat> sorry, there's one sequence in Annabelle Comes Home where we see it very briefly go through all the forms we've seen this, this, whatever you want to call it, this entity, Annabelle, take you know, the doll to the ghost of the daughter, um, to sorry, the ghost of the daughter of the couple who built the doll. Mm. Got to be specific what daughter I'm talking about. Um, to yes, there's a lot uh, of daughters. The, the grown-up version where she's the creepy, crazy cult lady to the full-on demon itself. Uh, it's a very quick sequence that shows that, but in that sequence alone, you're covering <clears throat> two and a half movies worth of, of um, knowledge about this character, whatever you want to call it, and we still don't have answers to a lot of these questions. And you could definitely argue that's what makes it interesting, is we still don't, we don't know its name, we we don't know much about it. We don't know what it's after. Uh, presumably souls. Um, is, that's kind of what Annabelle, the first one, is about. Um, but why does it need souls? What, there, there's so many unanswered questions and so many gaps in the timeline for what should be a character that after this many movies we're very familiar with, but we still don't know anything. So I can, on the one hand, I can see we don't want to reveal everything because we want to keep the character a mystery. I also feel like at this point, after three movies with it, yeah, the demon is scary, but we've seen it before. Uh, the doll is scary, but we've seen it before. The cult lady is scary, but we've seen it before. Like, okay, we've seen it all before. You've, you know, wrap it all up and then move on to something else. Because there's a lot of unanswered questions, and I would, I would love to get, I love to have my, my uh, questions answered. Um, even though sometimes that does kind of chop the legs off of a thing. I know um, I absolutely loved Sinister, which is another great horror movie, <coughs> a really great uh, investigation horror movie. Um, and it left me with lots of questions and Sinister 2 answers every question. And I think I did a review of it where I said, the best thing about this movie is it answers every question you have about Sinister. And the worst thing about this movie is it answers every question you have about Sinister. Like it kind of takes the mystery away from it. So there's a very careful balance to that of give us enough to feel like we know what's going on, but don't reveal everything. And they've done a good job of that so far. Again, three movies with the character's title name and the title still don't know a lot about it, but I feel like close it off and move on to something else. You've got plenty of cool characters. Go on to that Japanese samurai haunted armor that I want to see stuff about. Or, uh, yeah, Scott, anything, any other weird artifacts you saw you want to see stories behind? Well, keep in mind, I've only seen The Conjuring 2, which only shows, like, a brief glimpse of uh, of the museum containment unit, not safe room, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I like not uh, safe room. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember a lot about what was, what was in there. Um... One thing I will have to say, I, I do like that they made the changes. They they changed the Annabelle doll to the 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 more creepy kind of porcelain doll. Yeah, let's talk than, about than that a, for a second. Then a Raggedy Ann doll. So yeah, uh, which they put homages to too in I think both of the movies. Um, yes. When uh, at the end of Annabelle Creation, when the couple comes to adopt the demon child, I'm just going to call that for simplicity. They bring her doll, and it's, it's the Raggedy Ann doll. 
because in real life, yeah, as soon as you look up uh, Annabelle Real on, uh, you know, do a Google image search, uh, you're going to see why they redesigned it all. It is yes. just a raggedy hand doll, not even all that beat up or distressed. It's in pretty good condition, you yeah, know. It's it, it would probably be worth some money just as a collectible vintage <laughs> raggedy hand doll. You're right. You're right. Um, but that's also, I think, part of the problem. That's one of the notes. I have some general notes about the whole franchise, which is like in Annabelle creation and also in Annabelle, we see the doll when she's brand new, like pristine condition. And it's still creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who would take that doll out of it because it's it's gifted to the wife in the in the first Annabelle movie by the husband as she's like a doll collector and this is the one she's missing and she opens it up and she's like oh it's so gorgeous I love it so much I'm like no that thing is fucking creepy like it's you, I don't know what my, the guy was on when he designed it my uh, my grandmother has a lot of dolls and porcelain dolls that she kind of collected and stuff and they're they're basically they just populate like one of her. One of the beds in her back bedrooms, and they're all creepy, man. They're all creepy. I'm gonna quote uh, Patty from uh, the 2016 Ghostbusters here. Nope, just a room full of nightmares. Nope, not going in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, like again, I, I get it because it's supposed to be creepy. And for the, the few shots we see of it in um, the first conjuring, it's instantly creepy. We get it, but. Going when you when you backtrack, and because again, in in when we first see the doll in the Conjuring, <clears throat> it's an old, beat up, scarred, burned doll. That's part of the inherent creepiness of it. Yeah. When you backtrack twenty years and it's a brand new, literally just finished making a doll, and it's still creepy as fuck. I question the logic of a lot of these characters. <clears throat> you gave that to your pregnant wife? The fuck is wrong with you? This thing is nightmare fuel. Well, but it was she. Remember, she needed to, to complete her collection because there was a there was a bunch of dolls in the series. Yeah, I, I get that, but it's still creepy as fuck. Like, that's like my, my one kind of leap in logic. Like, I get why you did it, but I don't know anybody who would look at that that doll even when it's brand new. And like, oh, this is so pretty. Like, no, it's creepy. I know people who would like it because it's creepy. Um, because I know some weird people. But uh, there you go. And then uh, one more shout out. Uh, another really important element. Uh, I talked about how um, the, the franchise in general uses a lot of simple things to get scares. You know, hand clapping, bells ringing. Uh, it does a great job of of lighting with shadow, which is great, and doing reveals through the light. Um, sound is another important key. And then for me, the other big key thing that gets tension and scares out of this is the music. Um, Every movie, whether it's good or bad, has great music, great tension, uh, um, ramping, sorry, tension, amping music. And I have to give a shout out to Joseph Bishara, who was the composer on Conjuring 1, Conjuring 2, Annabelle, Annabelle Comes Home, and Curse of My Sharona. Um, he, He did right there. There's five of the seven movies one guy did the music for. Um hey, dude, props to you. You know how to make very creepy music. Uh, and I think that uh, these movies will be lesser without that. So that's all the notes I have. I have a lot of pages of notes. Scott, any other thoughts before we wrap this thing up? 
just I'm looking forward to to finishing the series, and and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the next uh, uh, Conjuring movie, just because we get more Warrens, and I like the Warrens. Well, you've got plenty of time to get caught up. This is true. Uh, and we'll have to go see it together. <clears throat> well, until then, that's a wrap for us. Um, so let me know. What do you want to see from the Conjuring franchise? What are your favorite movies in the Conjuring, Conjuring franchise? Uh, are there other things you think we sh- would make cool spinoffs? Are there movies that do you just hate this whole franchise and why? Let us know what you think about it. But until then, that is the state of the Conjuring. I think it's in a good spot. Uh, it can only go up from here. We're in a, a world where cinematic universes are still the th- the thing everybody wants. And we kind of accidentally fell into one and it's still working. So here's to continued working. Yay. I like it when it works. All right. So, uh, I am Obi John Kenobi. He's commander Scott. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, third act plot reveal. It's not a ghost. It's a werewolf. It's a, yep, it's a werewolf. But, oh, okay. It's a, oh, wait, it's a wait, no, no, it's, it's a, a, it's a, it's a, it's a Padawan nun. <laughs> Coming to a galaxy near you, the Padawan nun. The Padawan. <sighs> this has been your weekly spooky alert.